Well, good morning. Welcome to uh, the Sunday after Easter. And we had a great time of celebrating the, the risen Savior, the empty tomb, and really recognizing there really is hope. And hope is so necessary, so much so that God wants us to recognize that and actually pray for each other that we would realize hope. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in our bulletin every week, we give a PT with God, and that stands for personal time with God. It's not physical therapy or physical training. It's personal time with God. And we give that in your bulletin, uh, just give you some ways to get in God's Word. Sometimes places like this, we tell you what to do, but we don't tell you how to do it. Oh, it didn't take a whole long time for you to come up with that. Is that. And so that's why we do that. We want to give you some tools to get in God's Word and to really understand it. And really, if you've never figured this out, the way you understand the Word of God better is by asking questions of what you just read. We've all experienced reading something after we read it. go, what did I just read? Well, if you ask questions of the text, then you have to think when you're reading, and it'll help you really understand or at least try to wrestle with what is being said what you might not know is that the, the bottom half of the PT with God, uh, we have something else as well. It, it says Saturday and Sunday at the bottom of that, because we really focus on having five days of it, and then you get the chance to review. But we all give you, always give you a prayer uh, to pray uh, for your church, for your loved ones, for people you care about. And this week, it says Saturday and Sunday, review some of the chapters from this past week. Pray for those serving Christ faithfully and pray for the services on Sunday. Pray the prayer of Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 20. And we've, we've mentioned that this is nationally a week of prayer or a day of prayer on this Thursday. And most of us, if we were to you know, recite a prayer in the Bible, we would recite, uh, what's, what's that prayer? Um, the Lord's Prayer. There are other prayers than the Lord's Prayer in the Bible, in case you haven't figured that out. But in Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 20, I want to read that prayer for us as we begin today. Uh, for this reason, I too, this is Paul praying for the church at Ephesus, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you my prayer. So in this, it kind of gives you some things that we could all pray about when we pray. It, we shouldn't just ask God for things. We ought to be thanking God for things. And the best things that we can ask, thank God for is people. Just look around. Just looking around at somebody that you might be thankful for, right? Well, you can pray for them and give thanks for them. Then he goes on and says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And here's a very specific prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, which are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, that's kind of lawyer language in terms of how he shared that prayer request there because there's a little bit of complication there. But he said, as we, as we pray for others, pray that each of us might have hope as we go through life. And the reason we can have hope, which is believing that no matter what we're going through now, it's going to get better in the future, is that we've been called into relationship with the living God. Because of that, we have hope. We, we have an expectation that, that life is going to get better. No matter how good it is or how bad it is now, it's going to get what? It's going to get better. And so we need to pray for each other because do, do any of you ever out there get discouraged or down a little bit? Anybody had that? Are you all liars in church? Come raise your hands, all right? You know, you don't always wake up with a good day, right? And so you're just down a little bit. And, and what's going to lift you up? You can try positive thinking and just, you know, 
look for a silver lining, or you can put your trust in a person. And because of him, the future will be better. And let's be honest, it's not always good right now. But we know in the end we win. And that is our source of hope. And as long as we're here, God has a purpose for us, and we're going to live life with faith and confidence in him. And, and no matter what happens, we know our future is settled in him. And so we need each other praying for each other in this way because we all get discouraged. We all get down. We all can see the things that are going wrong more than right. And so Paul prayed for them just like he prays for us. Might, might you see things like God sees things? Might your eyes be enlightened so you might know the hope of his calling and the richness of the inheritance you have in Christ? That all of us are rich because of what Jesus does for us. And so I invite you each week to look at the back side of the PT with God. And even if you have another Bible study experience, pray that prayer for each other. Pray that prayer once a day for people you really care about. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. I do pray for us today that our eyes might be enlightened, that we might just see you in a clear way, that we might recognize that the promises of God are not for someone else, but for those who know you and love you. And sometimes we, we lose hope because we're not looking at the person who gives us hope. And Father, I pray as we start this new series that you might allow our hearts and minds to be alert to the truth that's in this book and what it means for us to have a vital relationship with the living God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite you to, to turn, uh, not in your Bibles, you're going to eventually turn in your Bibles, but turn to your outlines. This is going to help you follow along with what we're trying to do in the next number of weeks. If you're with us on Easter, uh, if not, shame on you. No, not, not on that. But if you weren't with us on Easter, we really talked about a very simple truth about Easter, Resurrection Sunday. There really is hope. And the reason there really is hope, and we focus on what is hope, but we talked very simply about why would we believe there's hope found in the message of Jesus. And we kind of focused on two reasons. One, it works. And if the, the Christian life doesn't work, then you know, why should we believe it? And why should we follow this person who, who gave all these great things for us to, to live out? But we, we heard in a testimony last week from Jeff, and, and his life was going on one path, and, and because Jesus got a hold of him and went down another path, and he is filled with joy because Jesus makes a difference. It works. But not only does it work, and we've all, have you ever seen an infomercial, okay, the before and after pictures and all the things they promise, if you'll just buy this product or do this thing, it will change your life completely, and, and if you really get, if really buy into that, you'd be buying everything that you see on TV, uh, so people make all kinds of claims, but the, the idea is it doesn't really work for not only some people, but can it work for everybody? And so we really believe it works for everybody, and it, it's cross-generationally, it's cross-ethnically. Around the world, Jesus makes a difference because he's alive and well, and he can make a difference in your life. But as you look at not only it works, but there's another thing that you need to really wrestle with, is it true? Can we look at it and say that there are reasons why we believe, and on Easter, the, the major reason, in fact, not only on Easter, but any day, is, is to look at the resurrection, to look at the empty tomb. Every know, everyone knows and believes and is convinced that there was a man named Jesus who preached amazing messages, supposedly did all kinds of miraculous things, then all of a sudden they put him on a cross and he died and they buried him. But what everyone realizes is that when they went back to that tomb three days later, it was what? Empty. And so you have to come up with reasons why you believe that's not true. 
And that's the whole thing of believing something. There is always the alternative, right? You can believe it or believe it not. She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. And you have to have reasons to believe that one of those two things are true, right? And that's what you have to do with the resurrection of Jesus. But what we're going to do in this series, Lord willing, and depending upon how well you listen or how long I think you're still listening, uh, we'll continue it for a number of different weeks. But we're going to look at, uh, there are, about the whole subject, there are reasons to have hope. Not just a reason, but there are reasons to have hope. And in case you get a little worried, I haven't even started my outline this morning, we'll, we'll get to it. I really only have one point, so you can just relax, okay? I've got some other things I'm going to throw in here, but I only got one point, so you can just relax. But, but we're going we're to look at, at the challenge of, of God word to us to follow him. And, and, and we know that Jesus asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? And he answered that, well, the, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Did he stop there? He said, all your, your mind. And so if, if, we're only, if we're only loving God with our, our emotions, and often we think about heart that way, it's really the center of your being. But God doesn't want us to follow him just because it makes us feel good. I mean, it does work, but if it's just a feeling, that feeling could, could pass really quickly. He wants us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we're going to focus a little bit on, on how we ought to follow, relate after God because it's the reasonable thing to do. Our, our mind says this is true. The, the, the facts back it up. And so uh, you can, and throughout this series, and say, well, I don't think you're convincing enough, and things you sh- that we've been talking about on this Sunday, and th- as you go into small groups and, and talk it together about it. But what I want to submit to all of us this, this morning is that there are reasons to believe. And as people choose not to believe, you have to really examine, do they have more reasons than you do, or better reasons than you do, to not believe. But ultimately, what I want to share with you today as well, and not ultimately, but a sidebar here, I guess I would say, is that as we think about the reasons most people don't believe, it's not because they can't be convinced that is intellectually viable and true. It's because they don't want to surrender their life to Jesus. They don't want to give up control. They don't want to make Jesus Lord, which means the leader of their life. And all I can say to you is that not only is God real and true, but he's also good. And if you really understand who he is, then you would not want to hold on to your life so tightly. But anyway, this morning, what we want to do, we want to begin this series. And there's some, just a few things I want to say before I get to my... How many points do I have today? One. So how many really have hope that's true? Okay, anyway. So... Um, <laughs> So we're going to say a few things this morning as we begin. First of all, the reality, and we shared that a little bit on last uh, Lord's Day, but real hope really helps, doesn't it? Because when you, when you lose hope, you, you really lose just about everything. Uh, that classic statement we shared last week as well. A man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air. You can hold your breath a long time, you can do that. Uh, but only one second without hope. Because you really have to answer the question, well, what am I living for? Why am I living? What's, what's, what's the next reason to make another step? And there are difficult times that people go through. We all go through, and some more than others. And we, we memorized a verse a while back, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And that's the hope that we have. 
And so, long, so as long as we're here, God has a purpose for us here. And so we want to live life to its fullest and be a blessing to the people around us. And, and so as we think about real hope really helps. And, and I would say, though, a false hope does not help, but a real hope will help. But I want to throw out this. The real challenge is, is where is your hope? And your hope is only good as the object of your hope. You know, I could have, uh, you know, with a sixth sense of humor, which sometimes I have, I could have said, well, you know, one of the chairs that you're, you're sitting on right now has a little gadget underneath it. And about halfway through the service, it's going to go off. Now, none of you thought that would happen when you came in here, but it's it just because I have a sixth sense of humor. Some of you are going to get a charge where, where you're sitting. You know, and, and then what you'd say is that chair you thought that was secure for you was only as good as how secure that chair, that chair really was. And as we think about our hope, it's only as good as the object of our, of our hope. And, and what I want to submit to all of us throughout this series, and, and really as you think about going through reasons to believe or reasons to have hope, it, it's, a, it's a two groups of people uh, approach. One is... It's to equip us to be able to share with others who do not believe or do not have hope, do not have confidence that their future is better, that there are, there are reasons to put their faith uh, in the one who gives hope. And, and for us, who already have made that step, that surrendered our lives to, to Jesus, uh, there are times we begin to waver, and it is to secure us in our faith in this hope. So really, what is the, the focus of hope, at least as we look at it? Is the real challenge is to put our hope in a person. You know, it's not in circumstances. It's not in what will or will not happen in the stock market. It's not in how well your health is today compared to how it will be tomorrow. But it's putting your hope in a person. And that person is God. And when you think about it, all the things, and we do put our our trust in all kinds of things. Uh, some people struggle with how they travel from point A to point B. Some people just are extremely fearful of flying, being in an airplane. And even though you could give them all kinds of statistics that flying in an airplane is so much more safe than going on the what? Going on the freeway. Uh, they, they, would rather, they would rather drive for hours on end than to take a flight in an airplane. But no matter what you want to look at, even though statistically flying is so much more secure than driving, uh, there are times where planes crash. And, and so circumstances, even, even probabilities, will not always work for you. But what we want to recognize is that when we put our faith in a person who is totally faithful, then our hope is secure. And in reality, when you think about how we live, this introduction is going to go real long if I'm not careful, is that it really, isn't that where your most secure hope is in? You know, my, uh, we have a number of our ladies up at the ladies retreat, and, 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 and I'm, I'm really hoping my wife gets back, right? You know, and, and when I think about that, obviously circumstances could happen that, but, you know, what, I'm re- what I really have a firm hope in is that, that my wife loves me. And, and, and for those of you who know me really well, so well, I don't know if I'd put a whole lot of hope in that because you aren't that lovable all the time. <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time in my small groups, okay? Is that, is that, you know, when you think about it, sometimes when we wrestle, well, is it true that my wife will always love me? And I think, well, man, I'm, I don't always, I'm not always that kind and gentle, you know, at home. And, and yet my confidence in her is not how lovable I am, but how loving she is. You get the point? 
So our confidence is in a person. And now, even though my wife is almost perfect, she's not perfect, but when we put our faith in a perfect person, then our hope is secure. And, and that's the goal for, for helping others make that step of faith and for us to get our faith even stronger because not only are we experiencing in our life because it works, but our mind is engaged and we're convinced it's true because it's, it really is true. And we don't have to be fearful that someone's going to come up with something that's going to persuade us it's not true. Real results. Hope in, in God is a confident assurance or expectation of what did or will happen. Kind of added that to the definition I had last week. Is, is you think about hope, hope is in both directions, isn't it? When we really think about Easter, uh, when we think about what we celebrated last Sunday, are, are we looking forward or are we looking backward? Come on, this is not a quick question. We're looking what? We're looking backward, right? It happened, it happened, it happened backward. It happened in the past, right? And, and, and we're putting our confidence that the resurrection of Jesus really did happen. And, and because of the resurrection, we can look forward not only to Jesus' first coming, but to his what? Second coming. See how that works? And so as we think about hope, it goes in both directions. In fact, not only both directions, it's also in the present. We hope because of God's faithfulness in the past, all the things he did in the past, which gives us hope for a day, but also hope for tomorrow. Okay, the future is, I'll accept that answer on the test. All right. So, so as we think about that, this is, this is what life is really all about, isn't it? It's being confident as you go through life that God's got it together. And our, our forward hope is convincing because of our backward hope or our hope in the past help us to be filled with hope in the present and for the future. And put another way, well, how does faith and hope relate? This is how I put it together. Real faith and hope. Real faith is being convinced that what you're hoping in is true and living like it. How do you, how do you know if a person has hope? Well, how are they responding to life right now? It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're not struggling with it. But when you're filled with hope, you're convinced it's true, and you live like God's got it in control. You're not always sure what's going to happen. You're not always sure you're going to like what's going to happen. But you know in the future God has it settled, and it's going to be better. Now, we're going to go through a series, and this is unlike most series that I, that I teach. Most of the times uh, I'm much more comfortable and, and really kind of committed to what they call expository preaching or teaching. We take a book in the Bible and we go through it verse by verse by verse by verse, right? Uh, and and I, I didn't take as long in Titus as I did in, in, in Luke, right? Okay, we, we were in there a few months. We went through the book of Titus and we looked at the, God's template or pattern, blueprint for the church. Uh, and, and I was expecting to go through another series and have some books in mind that we're going to be going through. But I, I just kind of felt led by the Lord to say, well, let's, let's look at some things that the Bible teaches that really speaks into where we're living out our faith and sharing our faith with other people, as well as being convinced our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is true and it works as well. There's a key verse for this, as far as why we're going to go through a series like this. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It's in your outline. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Now, to, to kind of put that in simple terms real quickly, it's, 
God is calling us. He's, this is not just a suggestion. This is, a, this, is, this is an exhortation for us to do who know him. We want all of us to put aside, to, to place Jesus, the Christ, as the Lord, the leader in our life. Now, he, he, he's talking to Christians, so he's not talking about, I'm, I'm wanting you to get saved. I want you to become a, a child of God. They've already become that. But he said, look, at, sometimes we live out our life, and it doesn't look like that. I didn't get a whole lot of show of hands before. Does that, is that true of anybody here? Sometimes our lives don't look like Jesus is leading our life. Seven of you don't lie in church, all right? The rest of you do, okay? Well, anyway, so there are times when, yeah, our life doesn't look like he's leading, and we haven't set him in that place in our life where he is, he's on the throne, he's leading our life. But sanctify, set apart Christ as the Lord, the leader of your life. And when you do that, I want you to be ready to do something. In fact, not only do I want you to be ready to do something, I want you always to be ready to do something. And what is it he wants us to be ready to do? I want you to be ready to make a defense, and so we always bag on lawyers here, but here you're all going to be defense lawyers. God, God wants you to be able to go into a court of relationship and to say, hey, you know, why do you believe whatever the, the premise is, and this premise is, why do you believe that Jesus is really, truly God and the Savior of your life? Why do you believe in God? And he said, I want you to make a defense. Now, you can be in, at least they, this is how it works on TV. You know, I've never been a lawyer, um, but I've known lawyers. Okay, is that you can be a court of law, and your, your case can be true. And the, and, the, and the case you're arguing against can be false. And you can be so much more compelling than the, than the other lawyer. And the judge or the jury can still what? They can still vote on the other side of the whole premise that you've been trying to convince those listening, whether it be the judge or jury. So you're not going to always be persuasive, but, but God has called us always to give a reason for the hope that is within us. So why do you believe? Uh, and, 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 and what he's saying to you, you can't just say, well, because I've always believed. That's probably not what he's saying here. Or, you know, my pastor told me, or my parents told me, or my friends told me. And that, it, it, it has a layer there in terms that work for them and it works for you, but he wants you to be able to give a reason why you believe. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope. Because if you believe in God, you believe your future is going to be better than your present, right? And you actually, you believe that not only for you, but your loved ones who have already known Jesus and they've already gone on. Why do you believe that? Just because you want it to be true? Is it just wishful thinking? Or do you have a reason why you believe? Reasons. But when you do it, you don't do it with pride in your heart, but with gentleness and reverence. So th this, is, this is the case for us to have a case for why we believe. Now, trust me, as I, I've been praying, preparing over actually the last number of months, and, and, and really I wasn't really eager to do this series because it's not quite as, as straightforward as going through verse after verse after verse out of a book. It's, it's pretty well defined. It is there are so many different ways to attack this or to try to approach this. And, and what I want to give you is a tool. I'll be sharing other tools as well. This introduction is going long, okay, is um, uh, it's going to take off a little bit from this little book uh, called Stealing from God by Frank Turek, and, and you'll see that as I approach the next statement here, but there's all kinds of ways to say, well, wh why is it you believe? And uh, there are a variety of sources you can do this, but what, what uh, Frank Turek does, he has, he has his PhD, and he goes around the world debating people on the other side. He's a theist, and others are atheists. Atheist is the 
alpha primitive, which basically says, uh, I don't believe what you believe. I don't believe there is a theist, a god, or a theos, people who don't believe in God. And he, he debates them. And he has some reasons why he does that. And he, he does a great job in terms of kind of put it in a, in a format. And I'm going to take off on that a little bit, but I'm going to add some things from other readings and other things that I grab onto. But what we're going to do is, is, is we're going to do this. We're going to try to reflect and remember reasons to have hope. An approach is this. Crimes are questions with answers that give reasons to have hope. The crimes is an acrostic, which will be dealing with causality or creation. They'll deal with reasons. There are reasons to have hope. There's information to have hope. There, the, issue, the, the question of morality or evil to have hope as well as science. Even science will lead us to have hope. But what we're going to do today is just deal with one particular question, and hopefully it'll be helpful. And there will be my main point that will be on the test, right? So there's going to be a test for this. You have to, you have to, you have to listen to my one main point this morning. And the, and the question, however, is, is causality, and if you don't like the word causality, you could say, is creation a, a reason for hope? Is causality, some people would say origins, you know, why are things here? Uh, is it a reason for hope? And this is called the cosmological causality or Kalam theory for hope. And that sounds complicated right now. I'm going to show you a, a video right now, and then I'm going to try to break it down in its simplest form to leave you something to go, hey, here, here's something I could share with others. Here's something I could remind myself of. There, there is a good rationale to believe this is true. Does God exist? Or is the material universe all that is, or ever was, or ever will be? One approach to answering this question is the cosmological argument. It goes like this. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. Is the first premise true? Let's consider. Believing that something can pop into existence without a cause is more of a stretch than believing in magic. At least with magic you've got a hat and a magician. And if something can come into being from nothing, then why don't we see this happening all the time? No, everyday experience and scientific evidence confirm our first premise. If something begins to exist, it must have a cause. But what about our second premise? Did the universe begin, or has it always existed? Atheists have typically said that the universe has been here forever. The universe is just there, and that's all. First, let's consider the second law of thermodynamics. It tells us the universe is slowly running out of usable energy, and that's the point. If the universe had been here forever, it would have run out of usable energy by now. The second law points us to a universe that has a definite beginning. This is further confirmed by a series of remarkable scientific discoveries. In 1915, Albert Einstein presented his general theory of relativity. This allowed us, for the first time, to talk meaningfully about the past history of the universe. 
Next, Alexander Friedman and George Lemaitre, each working with Einstein's equations, predicted that the universe is expanding. Then in 1929, Edwin Hubble measured the red shift in light from distant galaxies. This empirical evidence confirmed not only that the universe is expanding, but that it sprang into being from a single point in the finite past. It was a monumental discovery, almost beyond comprehension. However, not everyone is fond of a finite universe, so it wasn't long before alternative models popped into existence. But one by one, these models failed to stand the test of time. More recently, three leading cosmologists, Arvin Bord, Alan Guth and Alexander Vilenkin, proved that any universe which has on average been expanding throughout its history cannot be eternal in the past, but must have an absolute beginning. This even applies to the multiverse, if there is such a thing. This means that scientists can no longer hide behind a past eternal universe. There is no escape. They have to face the problem of a cosmic beginning. Any adequate model must have a beginning, just like the standard model. It's quite plausible then that both premises of the argument are true. This means that the conclusion is also true. The universe has a cause. And since the universe can't cause itself, its cause must be beyond the space-time universe. It must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, uncaused and unimaginably powerful. Much like God. The cosmological argument shows that, in fact, it is quite reasonable to believe that God does exist. Now, I'm going to give you 15 questions about what you just uh, read, no, heard. Obviously, he gives some additional detail in that, uh, he or she, whoever put that one together, as far as the cosmological or the causality or the, some call it the Kalam theory of, of existence, but really has a, a simple logical premise there or, or, or a syllogism there, and it, it's found in your outline this morning. Let, let's read it together. The cosmological causality reason, number one, now we'll all read together, everything that has a beginning has a cause. Number two, the universe had a beginning. Three, therefore, the universe had a cause. This is really the issue of origins, the issue of how things came into being. And, and, and when we think about it, there really are only two alternatives. And this is, this is the issue where we have common ground with anybody that wants to think, why do you believe what you believe? You believe there is a supreme being in the universe that got this all started. And many people will say, well, I don't know if there's enough evidence to believe. I, uh, I don't know if anyone can know. That would be an agnostic. Or an atheist says, no, I look at all the evidence, and I'm convinced that the evidence against believing there's a supreme being or a God starting all things is not compelling enough to believe there isn't one. But this is a premise that they can't, or a syllogism, they, 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 can't, they really have no good answers for. Because just look at it again. Everything that has a beginning has a cause. Can you think of anything that you've ever experienced that, or seen that exists, that had a beginning, what it used not to be but now is, that didn't have a cause? 
And, and the reality, no one can come up with anything like that. Spontaneous generation has not happened. They prove it doesn't happen. So everything that has a beginning has a cause. But what, for the longest period of time, what those who did not believe in God and were trying to convince other people not to believe in God says, well, really, material things, everything we see in the universe has always been. So if things that we see physically or touch physically have always been, that would mean it never had a beginning, correct? Because it's, it's eternal, but now what they discovered in no uncertain terms is that the universe had a beginning. And, and so they cannot say that materialism or things have always existed. They can't make material things God, that, that, that it, it has always existed. So as you think about the premise, everything that has a beginning had a cause. The universe had a beginning, and therefore the universe had a cause. And so when we talk with people that way, we could say very simply, let me just give you one reason that I believe there is a God. We're not talking about whether Jesus is God right now, but we believe there is a God. And you could ask them, well, is it true that everything that has a beginning has a cause? And they'd have to say yes. Well, is it true that scientists believe that the universe had a beginning? That's true. Well, then that means the universe had to have a cause. Well, what is that cause? Well, what we would say, in fact, there's no other alternative, is that there had to be a being that brought it into existence, and we call that being God. The Bible says this in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, they could say, well, I don't believe the God that you believe that's in the Bible is the one who started all off, and that's a whole nother avenue by which we'll go down. But to come up with another alternative, they have to come up with something, and they have nothing. As far as science, and there's all kinds of things we could approach. That was, it was shared on the video today. But the evidence of a type of a Big Bang in the, in the past. Now, there's all kinds of theories about how the Big Bang is or when it happened or how, is that the best model of it. But as you look at scientists, they recognize that there comes a place where the universe did not exist, but it did come into existence. And there was, a, there was a, an explosion of, of, of things that happened and brought everything that we see now into being. And so as you look at that, we would say that the best explanation of that is there is a God. He's the uncaused cause of, a, of the caused. The uncaused cause of the caused is God. Now, often what will happen is, and this will happen with children as well as adults, is, well, who caused what? God. He's the great uncaused one. He's the one who was from the very beginning. He's the self-existing one, not caused by another. He's infant. He's unlimited. He's the one. And some people call that he's the simple, which means he's not made out of parts. He's not, he's not in everything in the sense of they're, they're polytheistic, they're many gods, or pantheistic, everything is God. He is one being. He's immaterial. He's spirit, not matter. He's spaceless. He's, he transcends time. He's not confined by any space. He's timeless. He is eternal. He was from the very beginning, there's no beginning and no end with God. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's nothing he, can, he cannot do. He's omnipresent. He is, he, is all, he, is, he is present in everything, everywhere present. He's all-knowing. He knows everything about everything. He's immutable, which means he's changeless. He's holy. He's set apart. He's morally perfect. He's personal. Um, he has a mind and emotions and a will. Now, we could explore this in so many different ways, but what I really want us to leave with, this is, this is what's supposed to be on the test, is that I want us all to remember as far as what is one reason why I believe there is a God? What's one reason that we could give a defense for the hope that is within us? What is one reason we could believe there is a God? 
Well, let's look at something that we would all have to agree with, that everything that has a beginning has a what? Cause. The universe had a what? Had a beginning. And then, therefore, because it had a beginning, it had a cause. Is that something you could share with somebody else? You know, why do you believe there's a God? Well, let, let's put this. Does everything that have a beginning have a cause? Did the universe have a beginning? And therefore, the universe had a cause. And how could we explain that cause? The only way we can understand it, there's a universal, there's this supreme being who brought everything into existence. And, and when you look at that in, in other ways, and there's all kinds of ways to develop this as well, is that when you think about someone bringing everything into existence, not only do you have to realize that physical things came into existence because of a supreme being, but, but how else would you explain that being true if, if there wasn't a God? For instance, not only the beginning of the universe, but the fine-tuning of the universe. You know, we live in a very fragile existence as it relates to the universe. Um, Stephen Hawking who did not believe in God, but had to recognize there as a fine-tuning in the universe, he, he wrote this. The initial conditions of however the, the, the universe came into being, the Big Bang, have other characteristics in the universe that ex- appear to be extremely fine-tuned for the existence and the life within it. Uh, Stephen Hawking wrote this, that if the expansion rate of the universe was different by one part in a hundred million million one second after the Big Bang, the universe would have either collapsed back on itself or never developed galaxies. That initial expansion rate was simply put in at the beginning of the universe, and no cosmic evolutionary process can account for it. Many other aspects of physical reality are are also incomprehensibly fine-tuned for the existence of a life-bearing universe. For example, if the gravitational force was different by one part in 10 to the 40th, our sun would not exist, and neither would we. How precise is that? It's one part in one followed by 40 zeros. That's one inch over a scale as wide as the entire known universe. So as we think about loving God, we want, we want to love God with not only our heart and soul, but our mind. And, and, and to recognize that, that God has put everything into its place. And he has fine-tuned it for on this little planet in this vast universe. He populated people made in his own image that could know him and to love him and to follow him. And, and, and we, have, we have reasons to have this hope that, that life has purpose. And just even think about that. If, if there is no personal God that started it all off, what is the purpose to live? Are we all just a, a bunch of molecules thrown together and, and somehow we came into existence and we are, we are just survival of the fittest here and whoever wins is the, is the supreme one in that particular moment in all of history? Or is there a loving, personal God who brought us into a relationship that we could be personal and love others as well, but not only love others, but love Him as well? And all I want to submit to you is that as we think about following after this God who's called us to give up our life and exchange it into His life, He has made it known, as the Bible says, that we are without excuse when we deny all the evidence that points that he's true and real and has a plan for our life. Let's pray together. Father, we we have been called to, to know you. 
And I just ask that there's anyone here that, this morning that doesn't know you and have, been, have just been thinking that somehow that, that if they become a Christian, they have to put their mind on the shelf. And Father, I want to I just announce very clearly that not only what we shared this morning, but what we will share gives us reasons to believe. But Father, above all else, it, it is a call for us not only to know that you do exist, but that you are, you've made a call into our life to surrender our lives, our will, and our emotions, and our, our priorities to you. And Father, I would pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't have the assurance that their sins are forgiven, that you have a place prepared for them for eternity, that, he, that, you, that they have a relationship with the living God, I pray they might surrender their life to Jesus right now. And Father, I pray also that those of us who know you, that we might be prepared to, to share a reason for the hope that is within us. And do it in a way that is clear and loving and compelling. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.